What's poppin'? Welcome to your health class, the show about helping you lose fat, ditch your comfort zone, and then we're going to change our generation. I'm Trevor, health and nutrition coach. Joining me again, Courtney. What's up? Thanks for coming back on. And today we are going into one of the craziest diets I've seen again, (laughs) (laughs) the watermelon diet. And spoiler alert, just don't do it. Then we're going to talk about a drug for obesity, as well as something new that came out as a uh, analysis of a bunch of studies about sleep, and turns out it's not good for you to not sleep. Wow, crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're diving into it, but before that, cue that intro. I took my turmeric shot this morning, so I'm feeling pretty swell. Yeah. I've been focused on my health. Yeah. I've been tossing hundred dollar bills down with some girls. Limo tinted windows, baby. I can't kiss and tell. Passive in my head, but it's not negative. Spewing on your track. Please keep your sentiments. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you always. And I'm excited for this one because I gave across this. Oh, let's just dive into this first article. It's called This New Eating Habit is Unsurprisingly Terrible for You, says Dietitian. And I really have to say I agree with the dietitian on yeah. this one. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing to debate. It's yeah. When you look at it, it's an article that's talking about there's a Netflix series called Cheer, apparently. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Uh that's what the article is talking about. I, I've don't watch Cheer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But uh one of the one of the actors on it are the uh, reality what? star. Yeah. I don't it's a reality show, so I guess you call him a reality star. Goes on a watermelon diet. Quote, unquote, whenever she feels her body needs a cleanse. And uh, unfortunately, this diet consists exactly of what it sounds like. Nothing but watermelon. That sounds like a fancy way of saying starving yourself but making it better. You're just like satisfying that crunch, maybe the the need to eat something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some benefits to fasting, obviously, but regularly doing extended fasts where you're not really giving yourself much more than sugar water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, there's some vitamins in there. There's some minerals. Like It's better than sugar water, but it's not that far off from sugar water. <laughs> and again, like, Obviously, I don't think any of you guys are going to go out there and try a watermelon diet or anything like that, but it seems like every other week there's some stupid diet that comes out, like eat nothing but lemon rind or (laughs) (laughs) wake up exactly at 7.02 every day, lick the outside of a lemon, and then (laughs) don't eat the rest of the day. It's like all this, I don't know, all these stupid things that are going around, and at the end of the day none of them are going to actually lead to better health. And not just because a watermelon cleanse probably isn't doing much for you, but it's focusing on something that is short-term and not focusing on your actual long-term health. Well, I like that she says about the the diet. It's basically a watermelon fast, so you're not actually fasting, but you're getting like something in your stomach. So essentially, yes, you are starving yourself, but trying to satisfy that crunch. It's like fasting without the fasting benefits. Exactly. 
That's, that's all it is. And of course, you're going to feel like skinny when you're done because you're not bloated because you haven't eaten and there, there's nothing in your body. It's just what it is. That's, that's why. This is one of those things, though, that it's one of those short term fixes instead of going for that long term lifestyle. People love a quick fix. Yeah. And that's what we need to shift away from because all these quick fixes, these 30-day detoxes, well, you're you're literally going through a detox right now and I'm not bashing them at all because there's a place for them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's about learning the place for those. That goes on top of your normal diet, but you got to get that baseline yeah. higher first. <laughs> you can't eat a bunch of cookies, just junk food and say, you know what, I'm going to go on a cleanse where I eat nothing but watermelon for two days and that rids me of all my dietary sins. <laughs> it doesn't work like that? I, I know. It's crazy. What about if I take my tumor shot in the morning? Would you be feeling pretty swell? I would be. <laughs> <laughs> that was the main point I wanted to get across here is moving away from these short term and all these things that are giving cleanses and detoxes such a bad name. Because I really do think there's a point to them. There is. When you stack it on top of what you're normally doing, but you got to get that baseline better. It's not just 30 days and you go back to eating all the processed food, all the junk, because then it's just a couple days later, you're going to need that. (laughs) You're going to need that cleanse again. Yeah. Moving on to the second article. I think this one's really interesting and goes along with the same mindset of the other Mm, one. It does. That short term fix. Love a quick fix. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) So nice. This is the National Institute for Health and Care and Excellence. What an acronym. (laughs) I have to say about half of those words. Fine. I I have never seen a longer institution before, but nice approves a revolutionary drug for obesity treatment. Which, I mean, it's really cool. And we're in the middle of an obesity epidemic, so this caught my eye right away. But then you start looking at what it does to you. Well, then think about why are we in in an obesity epidemic in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's get into what this is actually doing. So this is, it's called semaglitude. Semaglitude. What a name. Yeah. Love it. A1, where we got the National <laughs> Institute for Health and Care and Excellence, and they are reviewing semaglitude. That sounds like a dirty word <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> okay, so what semaglitude does is suppresses appetite by mimicking glucagon like peptide 1. Glucagon like peptide 1, a hormone which is usually released by your body after eating. And this is one of the things that's interesting. So when you're eating a lot of processed foods. So this is going to be wheat. This is going to be sugar. These foods that are quickly converted and raise your blood sugar levels and spike your insulin. This is the problem you're running into. It doesn't give your body time to release glucagon and actually allow you to feel satiated after, or it even blocks with the insulin release, literally blocking the release of the glucagon. So now you could be eating and eating and eating. You know, you wonder why you can eat tons of bread rolls at Thanksgiving. <laughs> but now if you start, if you start trying to eat tons of turkey, it's a lot harder. 
Whereas I could eat 3,000 calories of bread rolls. Just easy. Yeah. (laughs) So these wheats, these processed sugars, this is what it's blocking. When that spikes that insulin, and then now it's blocking the release of glucagon. So what's the solution? Should we eat less of the processed sugars, no! less of the wheat? No, that's crazy. That's <laughs> no, stupid. just inject the glucagon back in your body, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's what we're doing here. <laughs> people just love quick... I'm going to say it 10,000 times. People love quick fixes. I understand wanting to do something like that. You know, you're you're overweight, obese, and you're so unhappy with yourself. You're just like, I, I, I want to be done. I want to fix myself. But you don't want to take the time... Because it, it takes a long time. You don't want to take that time to make the change. You're just like, hey, I want to be skinny now. And it doesn't work long term. I think this is this is something that we were talking about earlier because I was listening to a podcast. I'm really working on, I talked about it a couple episodes ago, but a really in-depth wheat podcast. Like really breaking down what this is doing to your body. And one of the doctors I was listening to today brought up an amazing point. And it's the problem with these wheats is that it's more more than just like people not being able to control themselves. Because at the end of the day, you look at how hard some people are working to lose weight. A lot of times it's not a lack of effort. I mean, shows like the 600 pound life (laughs) give people a bad rap. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. But at the end of the day, a lot of clients I've worked with over the years, they tried everything and they put in a lot of work it's not lack of trying mm-hmm. it's bad advice mm, yeah good point so now we're stacking bad advice but trying to reverse it with a drug <laughs> love it yeah making it worse yeah so we're not actually getting to the root problem of people gaining all this weight struggling because they're eating the wrong foods and so while I do like that we're starting to put some effort into solving this this obesity epidemic, I'm not 100% certain a new drug is really the solution yeah, here. I don't think we're going about this the right way. I mean, <laughs> look at what's in our food. Look at you know what we're told to do, what we're told to eat. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean, we need to change. I could almost see it if we were to find out, I don't actually know this, if for some reason, if somebody gets to a point of being so unhealthy that they stop releasing glucagon, mm-hmm. or if that hormone can get inhibited in some way, being able to supplement it actually might be a really cool thing. Right. This might actually be very effective in a case like this. If this is going along with dietary measures as well. <laughs> That's why they say, like for example, when you're treating type 2 diabetes, hey, this medication is going to help lower your A1C or your blood sugar, yada, 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 mm-hmm. and lose weight when combined with dietary changes. It's yeah. not, you need to do both. And like we were just talking about, though, it seems like people, at some point in this process, people are not getting the support they need to actually see these results. Because mm-hmm. I've seen enough case studies at this point to see just about anybody can get these results. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lack of... It's not like your genes are going to stop you or something along those lines. It's just about getting the right nutrients to your body at the right time. That's something I hate, the excuse of, oh, my genetics prevent me from losing weight. That's not the case. It, it Anyone, if you change your dietary habits 
to the correct ones, the ones that work for you, you can make the change. You can lose weight. Don't just say, ah, my jeans are to blame. I'm going to stop trying. Gains 30 more pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is letting that become an excuse. And some people are going to have a harder time because of their jeans. But at the end of the day, there's something that you can do that's going to be better. Plus epigenetics is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> About, what is it? 90, 95% of your genes can be turned off or on mm-hmm. through lifestyle changes. Crazy. It's almost like what we put in our body affects us. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy. <laughs> but awesome. Yeah, this is, what do you guys think about this? This is a tough one because the one side of me is like, this is really cool. The science behind it and how much potential this could to help people. But then the other side of me is like, is this really getting to the root of the problem? I don't think this gets to the root. So I'm wondering if this is really going to be able to truly help people in any meaningful way. Yeah. I think this is just promoting bad behavior. I mean, for lack of a better phrasing, promoting bad behavior. No, I I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) For the last article today, we really have a shocker for you. And this one is poor sleep is linked to heart disease. What isn't poor sleep linked to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of the, it's one of the pillars. Like you've got to have some movement in your life. You got to have some nutrition. You need sleep and you need to manage stress. Mm -hmm. You can change one of those four pillars. That's how you're going to see results. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one, if one of those pillars kind of starts to falter the rest of them. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, really, whenever I start to plateau, just sit there, look at which one of those four pillars I'm not executing on. Mm-hmm. Am I too stressed out right now? Have I actually been getting good sleep? Yeah. Aura Ring has really put <laughs> put some checks and balances on me. Shut but Aura <laughs> Ring. <laughs> uh, but like, if you look at one of these areas, you can really see when you're not getting results. This is going to be a uh, study that really just reaffirms everything we already knew really gives you some good motivation of like, oh, I should probably turn the lights off a little bit yeah. early tonight. Yeah, when you when people are faced with the consequences of not sleeping, they're like, oh, oh, oh this is bad. This is very yeah. bad. Uh-oh. All right, so the title of this article is Poor Sleep Can Triple Your Risk or Triple Risk for Heart Disease. This was a study done by the University of Florida they took a total of 6,820 U.S. adults, and there's two groups here. One has self-reported findings on a variety of different sleep metrics, and then the other one actually wore a sleep tracker. And there's only about 633 people in the sleep tracker group, so we get a good idea, but it's not perfect, obviously. We had like a larger sample size, but gets us some good information. And really, two big things here. The self-reported, they found an increase in sleep health problems was associated with a 54% increased risk of heart disease. That's pretty significant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately, worse sleep goes straight to heart disease. (laughs) (laughs) And then the sleep tracker findings, they found an increase in sleep health problems was associated with 141% increase risk of heart disease. I think that's important to note too, because a lot of people don't realize how poor sleep that they're getting until like for you example, you wear the aura ring and Mm -hmm. it tracks your REM sleep, your different stages of sleep. 
sometimes we don't realize how poor our sleep is. I, I just because I sleep through the whole night doesn't mean I'm getting quality sleep. Yeah. Well, really, one thing I didn't put together until I started wearing the aura ring is my goal used to be getting seven hours in bed, and I was somebody that could just fall asleep instantly. First off, that's not good. It's not a good sign. <laughs> I can do that too. <laughs> but the the big problem was is I was in bed for a little over seven hours. I thought I was falling asleep almost instantly, getting up quickly. So I was like, oh, I'm getting right around seven hours of sleep a night. Turns out, I was not. <laughs> I was getting just over six hours of sleep a night by the time I truly was in deep sleep. And he wake ups in the middle of the night and uh, the time in bed that I started waking up in the morning because I tend to wake up before my alarm actually goes off. So all this equated to only around six hours of sleep. Most people calculate their sleep by, okay, I'm going to bed at nine o'clock and then I'm going to wake up at four o'clock or whatever. From nine to four is when I'm sleeping. That's not the case. Yeah, that's exactly how I was doing my math. <laughs> I do my math like that too. <laughs> I can tell you it is drastically wrong. <laughs> and really, it's just putting that extra emphasis back in it, especially when we see things like this. I know one of the big reasons I got into health in the first place was to start preventing things like heart disease. Mm-hmm. Seeing it in the family, I was like, you know what? What if I could avoid that? I yeah. found out about epigenetics like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. These genes don't have to be turned on. We can turn off some of these bad genes by just getting more sleep. And that's clearly what we're seeing here in the study. Like The sleep tracker, 141% increase in risk of heart disease. That's significant. I would go as far as to say that's very significant. Ooh. That's quite the judgment. I don't know. (laughs) One thing I do want to note, though, is the author did say that this is a correlation, not causation. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before on the show. (laughs) But uh, so this doesn't mean that lack of sleep or poor sleep necessarily causes Mm -hmm. heart disease. But this is a relationship that is very strongly correlated (laughs) and we should not be ignoring. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, it says like, Oh, not getting sleep causes this, but not causing, not getting enough sleep could cause this, which causes this, which causes this, which causes the, Mm -hmm. the heart disease risk. But at the end of the day, study showed what the study showed. (laughs) I mean, really, you can see it. Plain as day here is that if you're getting more sleep, if you're focusing on the sleep timing, your sleep efficiency, the sleep duration, all of these things and making sure you're doing this consistently every single day and not getting eight hours of sleep one day, getting three hours the next day, then trying to make up for it and try and sleep nine hours the next day. You can't. Catching up on your sleep is a myth, by the way. (laughs) There's actually, you can catch up on sleep debt to an extent. To an extent, but you can't make up for all of it. It, it doesn't work as you can sleep three hours one day and yeah. uh, just well, tack on yeah. tack on three the next <laughs> night. That It doesn't work like that. <laughs> I, I mean, you think I've done that. I, even though I know it's not true, I still do it. Like, ah, I'll sleep it. I'll catch up on my sleep. I know it's not true, but. It, it's cool just to see studies like this come out and I know it. But cool to see the science catching up. 
and seeing more studies show that this relationship is even stronger than we knew. And it just encourages me that, okay, I need to keep doing this. I need, <laughs> I really need to keep focusing on this. What I'm doing is on the right track. And I don't know about you, but that makes me motivated to keep working towards better sleep. Well, and like for me personally, I haven't slept well the past like week and I notice, I notice the difference and it makes me want to go back to, I mean, there's sometimes you just can't change your certain circumstances, but I'm going to work my very hardest to get some good sleep for the next week. All right, let's do it. I challenge all of you guys out there. It's all good. Let's get our eight hours tonight. <laughs> <laughs> let's spend at least eight hours in bed. Really get some deep sleep, you know? Luxury. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And if you like this show, you'll learn that you shouldn't do a watermelon cleanse to lose weight. <laughs> if you learned you shouldn't just inject yourself with an obesity drug. That sounds weirdly sexual to lose weight <laughs> because that's not getting out of your comfort zone. Mm-mm. If we want to lose weight, we want to build muscle, get out of our comfort zone, change our this generation because these drugs are not going to change our generation. <laughs> Better sleep. That'll change oh, your generation. Yeah. <laughs> so share this with one person. That's how this movement keeps growing. I hope you like these. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon. Good evening and good night. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.